Hi guys, this is Doug. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. Again, this is Friday the 24th of July here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, again, this podcast is brought to you by four incredible sponsors. I want to thank them. I mean that in all sincerity. These, these folks are great and they are helping me make this happen. CCS Group, Custom Concrete Specialists, Cheyenne, Josh, and all the people at CCS Group. Um, CCS Group is a leading expert on safety and longevity of concrete structures. Their focus is on superior customer service, quality materials, and workmanship. Nationwide services include structural liners, carbon fiber technology, exterior restoration, and structural assessments. Uh, everything done safely. Uh, they are refurbishing grain elevators, concrete grain elevators, and uh, they do a fantastic job. Also, safety reports. Steve, Chet, Eric, all the folks over at Safety Reports, they've been supporting me from the very beginning. I can't thank them enough. Uh, Safety Simplified. If you're not using Safety Reports, uh, go to the website, safety-reports.com, and check them out. Their their products uh, are fantastic. They are useful. They make your life easier. So check out Safety Reports. Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. Jim Cover and his um, safety and health specialists uh, are available to help you uh, evaluate risk in your workplaces and, and uh, address those things. Um, Cover has been doing it a long time. Uh, he and I started back in the 90s at the same time, and um, he's the program director at this point, and they do a terrific job. Uh, your tax dollars are paying for this if you live here in Nebraska, if you work in Nebraska. They specialize on smaller businesses, 250 employees on site, 500 nationwide. So they're intended for small business. If you are a small business and you're not using on-site consultation, I highly recommend that you give Jim a call. Check him out, 402-471-4717. And you can find, find them in Nebraska Department of Labor. I think safety is the tag for them, so check them out. Then finally, Medical Enterprises. Um, medical enterprises, Lou, Beth, Sean, um, these guys are involved in occupational and medical health services. They do drug testing, drug screening, uh, for one of my clients today, I think Lou is doing some fit testing, uh, maybe some audiology. Um, they are incredibly helpful. They, they travel, they come onto your site, they make life so much more convenient rather than having to send employees out to an occupational health facility, Medical Enterprises will come to you and do those things for you. So check them out as well. So all of my sponsors, thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, We're back to some OSHA shorts. Uh, We're working on the OSHA top 10 right now. Uh, Most frequently cited standards. And so we've got two of them coming up for you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about machine guarding and respiratory protection. And so... This is short number four. We're going to talk about a little bit about machine guarding. And I'm going to read to you what OSHA cites most frequently out of this standard. Uh, they are referring to the general machine guarding standard. This is 1910-212. And the top five citations are 212A1. One or more methods of machine guarding shall be provided to protect the operator and other employees in the machine area from hazards such as those created by point of operation ingoing nip points, rotating parts, flying chips, and sparks, okay? Most frequently cited. Number two, point of operation guarding, specifically. Number three, anchoring fixed machinery. 
Machines designed for a fixed location shall be securely anchored to prevent walking or moving. Number four, general requirements for machine guards. Guards shall be affixed to the machine where possible and secured elsewhere if for any reason attachment to the machine is not possible. The guard shall be such that it does not offer an accident hazard in itself. And finally, number five, most frequently cited under machine guarding, exposure of blades. When the periphery of the blades of a fan are less than seven feet above the floor or working level, the blades shall be guarded. The guard shall have openings no larger than one half inch. Okay? Those are the top five citations under 1910-212 machine guarding. Let's talk a little bit about that. All right? Um, for one thing, when we, when we consider machine guarding, we are, we are considering employee exposure. Always OSHA is considering employee exposure, right? That's one of the prima facie criteria that must be met. Okay. So we've got to consider and demonstrate exposure, at least from an OSHA perspective. And so those of us that are doing machine evaluations, we're also considering exposure that has a lot to do with our risk assessment. Uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission uh, states that exposure is reasonably predictable either by operational necessity or otherwise, which basically inadvertence. However, not simply theoretically possible, okay? They're not talking about, you know, the satellite dropping out of orbit possibility. What they're really talking about is based on the way that the employees have to interact with the equipment or our machinery, Exposure is reasonably predictable. Okay, operational necessity. I have to feed the machine here. I have to take parts here. I have to unjam things here. You know, maybe I have to sort things here. So operational necessity. So we have to consider where our employees engage with the equipment. All right. And then inadvertence. Uh, this might be something like, you know, we have a pedestrian travel path that goes right by a piece of equipment. And so we have employees walking by the equipment. They may inadvertently get caught in the equipment uh, or interact with the equipment in some fashion, or they may be standing somewhere. We give them access to a point. Uh, I've seen uh, situations where, you know, just to save some time, employees will cut through areas that we wouldn't have otherwise thought they would use, and they, they use um, certain pathways or openings to cut under conveyors or cut around equipment, whatever the, whatever the case might be. And this inadvertently exposes them to hazards. Maybe they're walking over equipment. You know, maybe we have long lines of conveyors or process equipment that require these walkover situations. And so when you look at machine guarding, make sure that you're considering first and foremost, that operational necessity. What did my operators have to do on this equipment? But also inadvertence, okay? Um, when I was with OSHA, we used to say you had to make your equipment idiot proof. And I'm not sure that is the definition that the review commission holds us to. You know, they are saying that not simply theoretically possible is enough, but, you know, consider these other two things when you're doing your evaluation. And so let's talk a little bit about these frequently cited issues. Um, one or more methods of machine guarding. What they're saying is, hey, man, there are a lot of ways to guard machines. There are fixed guards. There are adjustable guards. There are movable guards. There are presence sensing devices. There are barriers. I mean, any number of different types of guardings. And it may be that you have to use um, 
two or more of these methods in order to adequately guard a piece of equipment. It may not be enough just to tack some expanded metal up onto the point of operation area and leave it at that. So um, keep that in mind that we really need to be familiar with uh, different methods of machine guarding when we're doing a risk assessment. Um, point of operation guarding, obviously. I mean, the, we have to be able to do the work. I mean, I think the review commission has stated fairly clearly that uh, if the guarding significantly interferes with our ability to do the work, it may not be appropriate. And so we have to be able to perform work. And I've seen a number of machines where, uh, like in running rollers, for example, where you are using rollers to pull something through, whether you're bending or shaping or whatever that rolling or something like that. Uh, and they are incredibly difficult to guard. If you can guard by distance, even keep the employee away from those contact points, perhaps. But to put a guard over something like that uh, would make it uh, non-functional. And so we have to consider that. Um, anchoring fixed machinery. This is something that, you know, on those old Hobart mixers or drill presses or things like that, if the equipment can uh, move, it can, if it can walk, if it can wobble, if it can get misaligned and then start to jump around a little bit and it's intended to be bolted down, you need to bolt it down. Okay. They typically sit on a pedestal They you can see the anchor bolt holes in the, in the pedestal. Uh, that is a giveaway that these things are typically need to be bolted down or secured in some fashion. Okay. Um, general requirements for machine guarding. Let's talk about this one just a little bit. It says guards shall be affixed to the machinery where possible. A fixed guard needs to be attached to the equipment, okay? I've seen guards that are just leaned against something or propped against something or hung on something. Maybe it's just a little hook that you you can uh, move the hook and remove the guard. OSHA's expectation is that the guard be affixed to the equipment, okay? Difficult to remove. remove. Typically... We would say something like you would have to use a tool or something to get that guard off so that it's just not easily removed. And so if you are using fixed guards, keep in mind that we need to make sure that they are, in fact, fixed. All right. The second part of that particular subparagraph says the guard shall be such that it does not offer an accident hazard in and of itself. Uh, I have seen a number of situations where in good faith or, you know, in a good attempt, people will fix a guard to a piece of equipment, but by doing so, they've actually created another hazard. The guard becomes the hazard or maybe even becomes a greater hazard. Um, for example, a shear point, maybe on a conveyor, you've got a pulley. I see a lot of these in the food processing industry. They've got long stretches of conveyors. The pulleys are the spoked kind. You can get your finger into it. They've put enough of a guard in place around that pulley so that I, I can still get into it, but now if my finger gets caught and pulled around, it's running me up against a fixed surface, a shear point. And so not only was it hazardous without the guard, it's perhaps even more hazardous with the guard. So just be careful that when you guard something that you're not creating a greater hazard. Uh, exposure to blades. And this, this is the reference to seven feet above the floor or working level. If we've got, and, and this applies to things like belts and pulleys, chains and sprockets, blades. Uh, we can guard by location. So if something is, you know, so distant from us that there is no exposure potential, we're great. You know, that's fine. I don't have any reason to be up there around that belt and pulley. I never get up that high. It's not within seven feet of the floor. 
Same for these blades, um, you know, fan blades, things like that. We can use distance to guard certain things. Um, it's interesting, though. I mean, I think you do have to consider your workforce. I mean, it is certainly possible that based on the, um, the physical stature of your employees, you can have employees that are potentially exposed to hazards that are even seven feet off the ground or slightly more than that. So uh, while this is uh, actually written into the regulation, I would be a little bit cautious about this. I would, you know, deferring immediately and entirely to the seven foot rule, I think is a little bit simplistic at times. So be careful about that. Okay. Uh, remember, um, a few weeks ago, I introduced a, a new friend of mine, Tanner Grieve with EAD. Uh, the engineering company, they do risk assessment, machine guarding assessment. Uh, they do those evaluations. They prescribe specific control measures and things like that. If you have not contacted Tanner, uh, give him a call and check into that. If you have machines that you're having difficulty guarding, uh, give them a try and see if they can help you come up with a solution. So that's it for this one. Um, I'm 19 seconds under the 10 minutes. I'm incredibly impressed. My caffeine is wearing off. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. A Parkville Media Production.